Broadcasting live from our satellite studio in Metro Washington, D.C., it's time for the special on-the-road edition of Learning Insights, featuring learning professionals who are improving performance and driving business results. And we are back for another exciting and informative edition of Learning Insights. Ryan, I think this is the one we're going to wrap up with. This is, uh, you know, this is one we've all been waiting for. This is the headliner. Uh, we have with us in this segment from Federal Management Partners, Inc., Managing Consultant, Learning and Development Center of Excellence, Miss Stacy Cook, how are you? Doing very well. Thank you, Stone. Well, we are delighted to have you. Can you give us just a little bit of uh, background? And is it appropriate to refer to it as FMP? Because it's kind of a mouthful. Right, right yeah. FMP. FMP is just perfect. FMP Consulting <laughs> tends to be what we go by. Okay, great. So uh, what, are you, what are you out there doing for folks, FMP? Sure, yeah. So FMP Consulting, we're a management consulting firm and uh, definitely historically focused in the federal sector, but we work with a lot of nonprofits, state and local governments, private sector groups, and broad management consulting. So you name it, we do it. But my area of focus and my, you know, the learning and development center of excellence that we have is focused on the people aspect, the developmental aspect of management, right? So do your people know the things they need to in order to perform the jobs that you're asking them to perform? So we do everything from instructor-led training, web-based training, most importantly, performance support. So what do you do to help people out along the way, not just in a formal learning event? And got a fantastic team of people there who really do dive in. They kind of, as I like to say, they kind of geek out on these types of things, <laughs> which, you know, some people might think is embarrassing, but we love it. So the answer to that question you posed just a moment ago, do they know what they need to know for hyper, is the answer to that often no, they don't know or Well, it's often they get it wrong? it's complicated, <laughs> right? right? Unfortunately, it's never just a yes or no. It's a yeah, but, right? Cuz you've got the hard side of things, you've got the technical skills. Do mm. I understand how to do this piece of work? But then there's also the softer social aspect of it, the how I get it done. And that matters, too. And you might have some people who are the most technically savvy, impressive individuals. But when it comes to being interpersonally effective, they're not. And that hinders them. It gets in the way from them doing what they need to do. And I think that can be a real problem. And so it's removing those roadblocks for folks and saying, okay, not only can you be technically savvy, but here's how you get even better by working with those around you and being more successful on your teams. So your backstory, have you always been sort of in this arena? That's a great question. So no, I haven't. Um, huh. It's it's. I started off with a focus on um, international development. And so coming out of school right away, I moved to D.C. thinking, I'm going to change the world. Maybe I'm going to go be a spy. Maybe I'm going to go be in the <laughs> State Department. And it actually led me to a job where I was in Iraq and I was doing some wow. um, business improvement efforts with a group, a, a small task force out there. And it was fantastic. The mission of the group was lovely. They were amazing, dedicated people. And that being my first job in government, I, I came out of it and I said, you know, this mission's too important not to do well. And it was abundantly clear to me that it's the people and the processes, it's the management aspect of it that enables that mission to get done. And so a really um, informative group of people, a couple of mentors gave me the advice. They said, have you ever thought of human capital consulting or management consulting? Mm -hmm. I said, never even thought of it. I hadn't considered it in any way, shape, or form. So they directed me to FMP and they said, this is the place for you. It's a small consulting firm. The people are 
absolutely bright, top notch. Go there and see what comes out for you. So took a chance about seven years ago and they took a chance on me. I didn't have the typical background. I had no expertise. They, they kind of rolled, you both, you rolled the dice a little bit. They rolled exactly, the dice, right? Exactly, exactly. But to their credit, they're so great about getting people with diverse backgrounds and diverse perspectives. And so the fact that, oh, you don't fit the typical mold, that's a good thing. They actually embrace that. Exactly. Oh, that's cool. And just through serendipity, I fell into my first client work, which was uh, a lot of training on performance management. Mm-hmm. For, an, for an organization and trying to get them up to speed on how do you set good goals? How do you have tough conversations with your staff? How do you rate consistently? And those sorts of things. And I absolutely loved it. I love the aspect of taking a complex idea and breaking it down and helping somebody else grasp that. And then there's also the, the sales job of it too, that not only do you need to know this, but here's why you should be excited about it. And it's tough to get people excited about performance management. I will tell you that from experience. <laughs> when you're the person being performance managed. <laughs> exactly. So it's not the most glorious of topics, but to get in there and say, all right, well, what is it that makes you tick that's going, that you're going to connect with on this? And how do I tap into that motivation for you? So I ended up going back to grad school, got my master's in adult learning from Columbia University, the teacher's college out there. And that's how I came into really heading up our learning and development practice is, is really taking all that expertise and that passion and saying, all right, well, let's, let's expand these capabilities. Let's do this for a wider group of people than we had previously. So it's been, it's been an adventure. I love it. Well, I can tell. I mean, that's <laughs> evident from, from the very uh, get-go. Can you walk us through, I know it's unfair because I'm probably there's, there's no such thing as a typical engagement, but can you walk us sort of through a, a, a generic or universal engagement cycle? I'm particularly fascinated and interested in the front end of sure. what this would look like. So I would say in, in, in any typical engagement, and there's lots of different types, right? So the substance of the work might change, but I think first and foremost, it's trying to get a really solid handle on the problem that the client's trying to solve. And what is it? Not just the problem that they tell you they're trying to solve. <laughs> right. Yeah, solve the real problem too, right? <laughs> right. But, but probing deeper. And, and another thing I, I like about FMP and the way we do business is it's very much a partnership. So sitting and mm. saying, what are you trying to accomplish here? What, what is it that, you know, we come, we go, we're gone. What looks different? And in concrete terms, can you tell us about that? And I think just really getting into what else is going on at the beginning means that down the road, everything's just so much more successful, ultimately. And that takes time. And you might have to help the client see something that they maybe didn't realize was front of mind, but actually is. And it requires you being really flexible at the same time, because you might have gone in thinking, we're going this direction upon further analysis, this direction makes more sense. And so helping them figure out, all right, so what are your options? And exploring options together. So the front end of engagement typically looks like that. From a, from a training project perspective, I had one client who had put out a solicitation for diversity training, cultural diversity training. So this is a subject that we, we want to bring somebody and we want to do a workshop on it. So first meeting, why is it that you think cultural diversity is important for you? How do you define cultural diversity? And even getting on the same page from there. And as we discussed it, it turns out that it, it really wasn't so much diverse cultural diversity, but it was really being able to talk about differences 
that people have and different work styles and different backgrounds that people come from. Interesting. And so he said, okay, well, you don't, you don't need to talk about these types of things. If that's really what you're trying to accomplish, you need to focus your energy more over here. So then working with them to tailor what we do and give them a product that makes sense. So we don't pull something off the shelf and say, here you go. Inevitably, it's a conversation and a customization effort. So does the phone ring and then you go out and figure out what they really need or or do you have you're just out in the marketplace marketplace and you're sharing thought leadership and so you're maybe kicking up interest or are all or is yes is the answer to that yes is definitely the answer right? yeah and, and for our federal clients a lot of it is just paying attention to the clients that we work with uh -huh. and what are your needs and listening and in those conversations inevitably we uncover something that they need help with that they didn't know that they could come to us for. So we'll say, you know, we, we do that, right? We can help you with that. Oh, really? Yeah, and it, honestly, it doesn't need to be that hard. Here's about what it might look like. And that, I think, spurs, you know, the next steps. Because of that partnership, they trust us. We're not there to sell something that we don't think people need. And in fact, I, having been on the federal side and having experienced a lot of consultants and contractors in that space, the thing I appreciated most about FMP was the willingness to turn down work that we think the client could handle themselves and say, I'm sorry, I know you want us to do this. I know you're really excited about this, but right. you are more than prepared. And how about we help you do it yourself? And well, and that's the organization I want to come back to <laughs> when I really need and want them. And right. I really, now I'm looking for ways to work with you right? because you've treated me properly up front and you're looking out for my uh, exactly. for my interests right exactly it, it makes it all the difference in the world so so there's a lot of that we do go after cold opportunities sometimes and just mm -hmm. throw our hat and say you know a proposal we could do this um, a lot of our work is relational so we we end up talking with people in the field who they know people who know people and they hear about something that we do and say oh that's interesting can you tell us more about that and then you take it from there. So a bit opportunistic, I would say, but also thoughtful and, and planful. So the first thing you guys sell is trust. And it sounds like you're really good at that. <laughs> yes, we try. Right. We try to be pretty good at that. And you do good work, which is always a nice sales tool, mm -hmm. right? So technology, what impact, if any, uh, has that had on the development and the execution of performance management? Of performance management. Well, I, I would say looking, pulling away from performance management looking at human performance like how do people get work done mm -hmm. I would say that what we see is frequently uh, workforces are geographically dispersed they're all over the place they um, they rely on very different sets of tools and technologies there's different levels of comfort with those tools and technologies and and what they are and how they work and so what you inevitably have are, are people who have the same task as they've always had, but now they need to do it remotely. Or they've got team members who aren't co-located. And that geographic distance impacts how they get the work done. And I think that's created a lot of stress. And we hear a lot of demand for training on taking virtual teams and helping them work together more effectively. And inevitably, it's funny, when we break it down, we say, in a virtual team, do you still need to know strategic direction? Do you still need to have clear roles and responsibilities? Do you still, all this stuff is there. Now it's just a matter of giving them ways of doing that in a virtual environment, which means technology. And means using it smart, smartly, and it means using it sparingly sometimes because <laughs> there's tendency to go a little overkill on the tech. 
But I think technology has impacted the way people work together and the way human beings perform when, you know, we're thousands of miles away. The, the uh, mental picture that I was manufacturing as you were describing that, and I thought you were very articulate and, and eloquent in doing so, was a Ferrari and putting, um, you know, a seasoned race car driver in it and letting her take a lap and putting a 16-year-old in it and letting him take a lap. And I mean, technology the same way, right? It could be, it's the Ferrari, right? but it could, you know, it could really come around and bite you if you're not using it properly or applied uh, improperly, right? Oh, yeah. And a lot of organizations spend a ton of money on the Ferrari right? when they could have done with a very nice Toyota and very reliable, gets you from A to Z. You know, Toyota's not cheap. It's not as though you're buying the gremlin of the group, but... But use the minimum amount of technology that you need to accomplish your objectives. But I think that's a key piece is not many people know what is my objective. So They, they just jump over that step and go. Right. I want yeah. the pretty toy. Right. But why? What? To what end? And that question, to what end, is where I think people need a lot of help. Like what, what means? Sure, we can figure out the means, but. So did you find yourself in graduate school or undergrad with with like people who were becoming therapists and psychiatrists? I mean, <laughs> I, I I don't mean that. I, I mean uh-huh. that in the most positive way. But sure. it, it, it occurs to me they ask similar questions probably, don't they? To help people really understand what they're trying to accomplish, why, the root sure. of their... Yeah, absolutely. In fact, most people <laughs> in the field, they're organizational psychologists. They are, you know, you think about therapeutic psychologists, that's one thing. But organizational right? psychologists are really looking at behavior. Where does behavior come from? How do I understand what you're thinking and how do I draw out the best of that thinking in you? And that's that's what good folks in this field will do. They understand those dynamics and they break them apart and use them to usually for good, although it can be used for evil, I suppose, too. But, <laughs> but for the most part, for good is the goal anyway. Right. All right. So you work people through this process. You uh, Very helpful. Uh, understanding the front end of the engagement cycle. We do the work. We, we do the good work. And now we've got processes and people and technology and all that in place. And we know we're delivering good results. At least you know, our gut tells us we're delivering good results. Uh, FMP, are you guys good at helping us figuring out how to document the the business results we're getting, and maybe even more importantly, being able to turn around and communicate it back to the people who have allocated the resources in the first place. I I bet they could really, I mean, that's important, right? Oh, yeah. Organizations are constantly trying to quantify and clarify the connection between human elements and business results. So you have people who are inherently unpredictable, who are inherently (laughs) complex, She was looking at Ryan when she said that. (laughs) Just a little bit, maybe. Um, And then you'd get groups of people together, which now you've got multiple dynamics happening. And so how do you pinpoint, okay, we had a really great quarter this year. How do you pinpoint that back to the fact that your people had a better way of working together, that your people are doing something differently? Because the line, it could be that, Sales went up because the market is good. You know, there are so many confounding variables. And I think that's what organizations struggle with is how do we understand how our people are doing and how do we understand that the investments we're making in our people are giving us bang for our buck? You know, we can we can gut check that, but do we know it for sure? And so to that end, I think um, one of the areas that in the learning space I spend a lot of time with is learning evaluation. So uh, we tend to favor Kirkpatrick model, which is a 
um, an approach to looking at learning that says, all right, so if the learning event was good and people learned what you expected them to learn and they changed their behaviors, theoretically you should have results. But now how do you tell that story? How do you link that chain of evidence together? Yeah, telling the story is every bit as important as the fact that the story happened, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, and all the, the, the evidence that comes together. So, you know, you start at the top, you say, what are the results that we expect? What is the purpose for our existence as a company? All right. So now what do we need people to do so that we accomplish that? All right, great. Now what do they need to know so that they can do that? Fantastic. So now we've got our learning. But frequently what people do is say, we need training. <laughs> okay. So what do you need training on? Communications. Why? Don't know. What do you need me to do with it? Not sure but we need it, you know, and it's this intuitive sense that something's not quite right here. Right. And, and so they'll jump to a very technical solution when what they're working mm -hmm. with is a very adaptive problem. It's multifaceted. There are multiple inputs and outputs. So it's, it's helping sort through the wheat and the chaff and, and try to parse out the different dynamics and then trying to come up with ways to reasonably uh, understand if you've impacted those critical dynamics. So any disciplines or tools serving you particularly well when it comes to reinforcing learning or reinforcing decisions about behavior mm -hmm. change, any that are working for you? Yeah, yeah. In fact, that's one of the huge trends that I see in the field is that with going back to the increasingly dispersed workforce, the advent of a lot of new technologies, and you've got people debating, should I spend time in a classroom? And are these classroom hours really doing it for me? So that classroom time is necessary to introduce new ideas, to give people time to practice. But inevitably, they're going to leave the classroom. They need to do something with it. So if you don't have not only a couple of methods, but if in your design plan, if you haven't thought through the six months after they leave the classroom and, and what they're going to do with all that great stuff you just gave them, then you're really doing them a disservice. And I think people miss an opportunity to get really creative with it because, um, you know, you think about accountability of the learning. So I, I went to class and I learned about a, a classic one we talk about in group dynamics training is we say, okay, in any kind of team, you need to have trust, you need to have commitment, accountability, healthy conflict, all of these things. So it's one thing to talk about all the behaviors associated with that, but then you go back to your desk and you're going back to your old habits. So how do you hold mm. that person accountable? Okay, well, peer check-ins and give them a checklist with exactly what they're going to check in with each other about what observations they Because peers carry a lot of weight, Absolutely. whether we want to admit it or not, right? Absolutely, they yeah. do. And, and people, when they know, oh, wait, somebody's going to be, oh, maybe I should pay attention to this a little bit more. So the the peer learning and not only peers who have gone through the learning experience, but partnering them with other people and saying, okay, you learned all this great stuff. Now take it back to your team. Here's a toolkit for how you're going to teach your team what you just learned. And there's no better lesson than being the teacher, quite honestly. So <laughs> giving them that, that's a way to reinforce the learning on a consistent basis. So sometimes people think of the learning reinforcement as the job aid or uh, a worksheet or that sort of thing, or a questionnaire that we dole out that everybody takes the same one. But get creative with that. How much other sources of support can you tap into that already exist and you can leverage? And then how do you make it super easy for people to use it? Because that's the other part. You know, mm. you get some folks, they'll create 
all of these cool things that you can do after the training. And they say, oh, well, we've got a SharePoint site. And on the SharePoint site, they've got things that they can go on. They can do podcasts and wikis and great. And then nobody uses them. They say, well, we made it. <laughs> and they're <laughs> right. indignant that it's not being used. So why aren't they? Take the time. What makes it easy for them? What motivates them to want to use it? And we have to think as, as adult educators, part of our job is motivating our learners. Here's why you right. can't afford not to. And if we're not constantly processing that, we're missing a lot of opportunities, I think, as professionals. So uh, with respect to creativity, innovation, um, at least at FMP, how do things get innovated? Is there an active effort toward that? It's funny that you say that. Um, there actually is a very intentional effort. So huh. in our um, performance framework internally, we actually have a, a metric everybody's evaluated on called innovation. Oh, sweet. I like it. And yeah, so it's it's literally built into our fabric. And the expectation there, you know, some people interpret it as, oh, I need to go out and come to a, a radio show and talk about an innovative idea. And that might be that might be part of it, sure. But it's also innovation with your clients. So how creative are you in coming up with solutions and making sure we're recognizing and rewarding people for doing that really, really well? Or how have you helped the rest of the company be innovative by taking something that worked over here and applying it in a context over here? And we, we spend, as a management team, a tremendous amount of time just thinking about that. Like, are we giving our employees opportunities to think innovatively? And are we encouraging and making it, making space for that? What a fantastic culture. <laughs> what an environment this must be to work. And you must just absolutely love it. I, I, I enjoy it quite a bit. I've been there, you know, so, so far so good over these past seven years. And, and actually, we're one of uh, Washington's best places to work consistently. I believe it. Year after year. So we, we take these things. <laughs> we try to practice what we preach, if that's any consolation, as much as we can, recognizing that we're made of humans and humans aren't always perfect. But I think we do a pretty darn good job. Well, I think the preaching has been marvelous. What you're practicing is uh, seems to be absolutely top cabin. This has been a very engaging uh, invigorating conversation. We got to do this more often. Definitely. I think we're going to do this on more of a regular rhythm in collaboration with uh, training pros and learning insights. And when we do, I can just tell you're the kind of person you'll have a whole new set of things to talk about that, you know, the next time we swing through town. Very likely. <laughs> uh, I want to make sure that our listeners know how to get in touch with you or talk with you or someone on your team uh, out at FMP. So uh, with your permission, can we leave them with some coordinates, uh, email address or phone number, website, whatever? Sure, sure. Absolutely. Our website is um, fmpconsulting.com. And you can learn a lot more about our capabilities, the different things that we do. If the learning aspect gets you going, that's, of course, where I uh, get a lot of energy. But lots of other things on there. And then in terms of contact, you can always feel free to reach out to me, scook at fmpconsulting.com. Fantastic. Well, Stacy, it has been an absolute delight visiting with you, you this so. afternoon. Yeah, and we're going to do it again. I hope so. I hope so. Thank you. <laughs> you are welcome. All right, Ryan, I believe that is a wrap from Training Pros DC. We'll see you next time on Learning Insights. This has been a special Business Radio X production brought to you by Training Pros, your source for local learning and development experts. Learn more at training-pros.com.